Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada. We have snow on the ground and sun at the same time, so we're not complaining. It's pretty. And this is our first interview for the new year of 2022. And as we started last year with a big bang, we're starting this year with a huge bang with our interviews. Very interesting guests today. But it's not my job to introduce guests because Kathleen does it so much better than I do. So first, let's welcome Kathleen for our first show. Hi, Kathleen. How are you doing in Waterloo today? I'm doing great, Peter. Thank you for the intro and Happy New Year, everyone. So great yes. for you to, uh, to join us today. And as Peter said, we do have a, another special guest with us. But first, uh, you know, we love reading your comments. So please keep them coming. We would love for you to subscribe to our channel and we do read your comments and respond to them. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And today, our special guest is Al Alvin Law. Alvin, welcome to the show. How are you? Well, you know, uh, it's winter in Calgary, too. Minus 26. <laughs> oh. Okay. Okay. Now, that's real winter. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's not quite as cold here, but still. So, Alvin, you are an award-winning speaker. You're a musician and even a, mu a movie star. But, you know, we'll get into that in just a moment. But first, can you tell our audience a little bit about your background and how you became an award-winning speaker? Well, uh, my mother says that when I was three years old, I started speaking. Not technically, I had a voice before then, but I started speaking publicly because almost everybody, especially folks in my town in Saskatchewan that didn't know who I was, would come up to my mom and say, what happened to your little boy? And she would say, ask him, he's not stupid. <laughs> and that's a real, <laughs> that's a real line. <clears throat> and of course, why people would be curious, it's hard to tell unless you're in the room with me, but I'm sure you can sort of tell that I have no arms and I was born this way. And you can imagine I've told this explanation, I mean, infinite number of times, not because because it is the thing I can talk about. But I truly believe, and we'll talk about this as we go along, not just me, where we're born, what we have as influences around us, and the environment in which we spread our wings to go out into the world plays a significant role in our success. And I can tell you that even though I was born without arms, that actually did the opposite to making it a bad thing, it turned out to be the best thing for me in my life. So here I am, 60, almost two years old and, and living life to the fullest. Excellent, excellent. So I, I'm gonna read this because I wanna get it absolutely right. On your website, you say, the most valuable lesson of all, the world does not adapt to us, we adapt to it. This will transform how we show up, giving us the greatest ability to succeed in everything we do. Please tell our audience a little bit more about that very profound statement of yours there. Well, you know, it's, thank you, Peter. And it's even more profound since March the 7th, 2020, huh? You know, <clears throat> it's interesting. I, I'm going to say this before I answer your question. I am not perturbed by terminology except this one. I don't like the expression, the new normal. Because mm. I always say compared to what? And I use my life because I was born this way. People say, well, you're not normal. Yeah, I am. We're all normal. Mm -hmm. We're all living our normal existence. So 
the COVID thing, the pandemic thing, we're, I know we can talk about it if you want. All I know is there's not much to talk about because what is there to talk about? It's here, it's real, it's not going away. So we must learn to adapt ourselves to it because it's not going to change things. We have to change to do whatever we need to do. And I know, by the way, real quickly, I can come across as being a little too idealistic, glass, almost full kind of guy. But that's not meant to put people off that are dealing with real stuff. Because there's real stuff. And if I was using more of the real word, you know which four-letter word I would use. <laughs> going down the pipeline of life these days than we've ever experienced in at least my 60-plus years on this planet. It's hard. But then, you know what? So is life. Life is hard. What are you going to do? That's right. That's right. I, I would throw in there, though, that that for much of the world, that has not been true, that life now is is uh, no better, no worse, and perhaps even a little better than it has been for many. I spent most of my life in Africa. And uh, when I look at what happened to me, and it's not my show, I don't want to go into that in the slightest. But when I look back and people say, you don't seem to be perturbed by this COVID thing, I say, hey, you know, when you've, when you've seen things I've seen, <laughs> there's a lot more important stuff to worry about. And when you consider the plight of people in the poorer parts of the developed world, and I know you've traveled, so you know what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. uh, to them, we are immensely rich, immensely successful, immensely happy, and immensely healthy. So, and they, they still get up with a smile on their face. Anyway, that's enough for me. Car Kathleen, you wanted something else to ask. So, um, Elvin, you are in two speaking halls of fame. How did you break into No, what, two halls of fame. Sorry, sorry, Kathleen. One is a speaker hall of fame, the Canadian okay. Professional Speakers Hall of Fame. Okay. And the other is the Canadian Disability Hall of Fame. Uh, oh who knew i didn't even know that existed until they nominated me right, <laughs> right, right. but my question is how did you break into the big league of speaking how did that happen well in the day's flow of this interview i have to walk the fine line between the honest reality of life and i know that that is what we're experiencing but also the world that my brain lives in I live in a bit of that new age world where I believe our energy carries us to what we're supposed to be. I believe in destiny. I don't believe that we have a preset plan or if you're religious, pardon me, but I don't think God set out our life plan for us. Uh, I'm not a person who is not a person of faith, but Peter, I appreciate what you said. I have traveled. So I've seen other people's faith and I've known a lot of people who are atheists. Mm -hmm. And I'm mentioning it not to get into a religious flow, but my life has been dominated by the spirit of living. My parents were very, very much people of faith. So my mom would have said, oh, we're just doing God's work. And I'll tell you what that means in a minute. But for me, what I really believe is I was meant to be a speaker. I was meant to fill that gap. And how it worked was simply in 1985, I was invited to be the first Canadian speaker at a Canadian National Student Leadership Conference in Yorkton, Saskatchewan, my hometown. That was 1985. And that opened the portals to speaking in schools. So since 1985, I've been in over 3,500 schools. Wow. Either you get really good at it or you find something else to do. <laughs> yeah. That sent me into the corporate world. So in the Canadian Professional Speakers Hall of Fame, you don't just get in because you happen to be a good talker. We have a good business model. I've been running my own organization since 1988. My wife, Darlene, joined me in 1981. She runs the company. There's two of us. And even through COVID, we're still surviving. So that is also part of the Hall of Fame model, to have a good business model. 
to be very, very aware of your clients, to make them the most important thing. And apparently in 2009, when I went in, I, I passed that test. Uh, and I'm so honored. In fact, to be quite honest with you, I never planned to be in the Hall of Fame. And to be honest again, I think that's why I'm in it. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Good point. So <clears throat> I'm going to go a little bit of a different tack. How did you first start? I mean, you, you said you start. your mother said you started speaking at three, <laughs> telling people why you were like you were. But uh, there's quite a gap between three and at the age of around 25, starting to speak in schools. So, yeah. so what, was, what was in between that? So this is going to be my personal proof of fate. All right. 1980, I graduated from Mount Royal College Broadcasting in Calgary. I got a job two weeks later at an FM rock station, classic vinyl, spinning records with my toes, even editing audio tape with a razor blade in my toes. Don't wow. do this at home. I'm a professional. <laughs> I was a disc jockey in Regina, Saskatchewan. It was called FM 92, the rock of Regina. <laughs> As you picture, I was about 40 pounds lighter. I had a gigantic head of hair and I was living the rocker lifestyle. And I'll tell you, rock bands loved me because I played the drums with my feet. Hmm. I, I don't want to jump ship onto another subject, but that's one of the things that shocks people is how good a musician I am. So I was in the field of broadcasting because I chose not to be a professional musician. But in Regina, small fishbowl, right? I yep. got to be very well known on the air. So 1981 was declared the International Year of Disabled Persons, which meant all of a sudden, all these events were springing up where that was the theme. And I started getting invited to come and speak for a few minutes at a luncheon or a dinner. But the school that I spoke to first would have been in January of 1981. I was there for a career fair. And I'm talking to a bunch of seventh graders about a career in broadcasting. And I said, hey, by the way, if you have any questions, just put your hand up while every kid in the room put their hand up. And then I picked a kid in the front row and guess what his question was? How do you go to the bathroom? Oh. Okay, that wasn't a podcasting <laughs> question, but that was a darn good question. And yeah. I, I challenge your audience to get that out of your head for the next day. How does a guy without arms go to the bathroom? And oh, way, Alvin. Here, <laughs> little sidestep here. You want a challenge? Try going to the bathroom after the show and don't use your hands. Honest, try it. People go, that would be impossible. No, it's not impossible. It's a state of mind. Anyway, I digress. So when that kid asked that question and I started going to other venues to speak, I decided to get out of radio. I was only making $425 a month in radio and I became a speaker. That's just what I did. And I've never looked back. Wow. wow. Oh, my wow. goodness. So, Kathleen, I'm stealing your thunder here a little bit, but you, <laughs> Alvin spoke about drums, and I've watched your video of you playing the drums. Now, I, I, as an aside, I bought a guitar, having been told in junior school I would never play a musical instrument because I was absolutely useless. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, but that's another story. So about six, seven years ago, I'd had a heart attack. I couldn't run any more marathons, and I needed a goal, so I bought a guitar. And... Um, I struggled away and I took lessons and I, I can play some very simple tunes very badly with two hands and arms. And then I listened to you playing the drums with your feet and it sounds like one of the best drummers in the world. So what got you into, into playing the drums? So, you know, it's amazing, Peter and Kathleen. Um, my story and my responses to your questions on this podcast sound almost contrived. 
that's the point is I know how fortunate I was to have these things intersect in my life. Mm. Quick story, I promise. 1971, apparently I got 96% on a music aptitude test in fifth grade at St. Alphonsus Elementary School in Yorkton, Saskatchewan, which was the precursor to being invited to join BAM. Mm. You can't make these stories up. <laughs> At 96%, my mom gets a phone call from the head of the music department at the Yorkton schools, calls my mom, new to town, doesn't know anybody, wants to put this test out to get the kids best qualified to be in band, wants my mom to get me to join the band. I mean, can you picture this in real time? Hello, Mrs. Law, I want your kid in the band. And my mom <laughs> goes, what instrument? He goes, I don't care. And she said, well, kind of a good time to tell you that he has no arms. And it's a real conversation. Yeah. And this band director basically goes, well, I didn't know that. Clearly, we cannot have an armless musician. And he hung up. He was typical, if I may suggest, but especially of 1971. Oh, yeah. The difference was he called back. <laughs> As he would tell me later, it got in his head, too. He had to figure out a way. Now, you're thinking, oh, well, put him in the drum section. No. They mounted a trombone. <laughs> on the side of a wooden chair with metal rods they made in the metal shop at the high school that held the trombone and I played it with my foot. Wow. Oh I got Lord. in the band, which gave me my first, I call it my crew or my peeps, right? We've heard these, these expressions. Yeah. They became my friendship. Musicians don't care what you look like. <laughs> Just look yeah. at them. They care about, can you play? And Peter, by the way, I need to correct you for a moment. Music isn't about how good you are. Music, playing music is about whether you enjoy it. Yeah, in sure. fact, did you know that music sales, especially guitars and pianos, have gone through the roof since March of 2020? Yep. So I had read that. So I was in band. I got to play trombone. And that meant I was in the band. And then I got into jazz because that's what I chose. I love playing jazz. That led me to jazz camp, which led me to what you do at jazz camp. You geek out on music. So one day I decided to try the drums and the drum instructor saw me and instead of laughing at me or making fun of me, he said, here, let me show you how you can play with two missing parts. And that was 1974. Wow. So I've been playing drums since then as well. I actually play the drums more now than I play the trombone, which basically sits in the basement. But I tell you this because isn't that a bizarre story? Yeah, how does yeah. a guy with an arm not only get into band? but become a world-class drummer. And I am a world-class drummer. Yeah. If you look at my videos, I'm actually in a couple oh, yes. of international videos. So, so, so Alvin, yeah. basically they chose the instrument that you would play, but did you have, was there a favorite instrument that you had hoped to play before they put the trombone in front of you? I want people to hear something that is gonna be a bit controversial, but I know that's what your show is. Yep. Sure. Education is not a right. Education okay. is a privilege. Yep. And yes, Peter, I've been to Africa. So I know what that's like. But mm -hmm. that's not the point. The point is that was my mindset. So if I couldn't be on the football team, oh, well, I know what your audience is thinking. You could play soccer. Yeah, my oldest joke. I never got the penalty for touching the ball with my hands, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> but the reality was I was accepting of the fact that I couldn't do things. So give me a trombone. Cool. I never even thought about it. I never had a plan to be in band, but I loved music. 
I love to sing. I love to dance. I was a tap dancer. <laughs> See, these are things that you can do in a small town. Mm-hmm. And that's what I meant about Yorkton. You know, sure. there was programs available. There were people that were there. I know this is cheesy, but <clears throat> the community helped raise this little boy. Yeah. Wow. 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 Isn't that incredible? Uh, unbelievable, really. So I have to ask you, what are some of the, your most memorable speaking events? So, excuse me, I think that's a hard one because they all happened in their own time frame. Mm-hmm. All right. But one that sticks in my mind, which is really when I broke through into corporate more so than ever before, was speaking in Singapore in 2006, I believe to an audience of 2,500 executives of the Young Professionals Organization. The other speakers there, by the way, were people like Sylvia Earle, who started National Geographic Explorer. Um, there were the, oh, I mean, my God, I met Steve Wozniak, you know, the Woz, the yeah, guy that yeah, yeah. did this thing I'm talking on, this iPad. Mm-hmm. He was more intrigued with me than you can even imagine. He wanted to take video of me using my iPad with my toes so he could send it, as he said, back to the, the, uh, the, the computer geeks in the nerd lab in Palo Alto. It was amazing. <laughs> but I think what I found at that event more than anything was I felt as though my lack of formal business education didn't qualify me to speak to executives until someone made me understand at that event, these are here, these people are here as executives, yes. But they're at this event for two days to talk about life mm-hmm. and humanity and making the world a better place and creating a wow factor on our planet. And when I thought about that, I thought I've done that. So I started thinking along the lines of leadership is for everybody, not just someone with a Harvard MBA. Hmm. Yeah, very true, very true. I, I read on one, I think on your website, one of your words, you said that uh, ad is so much more than an word so tell our audience a little bit more about that so this may sound unoriginal and honestly i gotta tell you this didn't occur to me when i was developing all of these skills attitude is a habit all right attitude it becomes a a natural habit a good habit because it, it immerses itself into our being so people will see this interview and go ah i bet you this guy's just putting it up on screen i like this the time. And I mean that. And I, I got to tell you, you started the interview with an interesting comment. I believe the world has gotten better because of COVID. And I'm going to use an old fashioned word, because I think for the first time that I can remember since we had a little different mindset way back when, human beings started to have manners again. Because we lost ours. Mm-hmm. Me, 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 all about me, me, me. I want to get into the Donald Trump effect. But I'm telling you, I'm going to use a bad word now. Don't be a dick. Mm-hmm. How about as simple as that? An attitude means you carry a positive, caring, accepting approach to human beings rather than say, well, it's my right. You know, I get that. I totally get it. But when you don't have arms, you learn a very substantial thing. And that is called having gratitude for what you have and not envy for what you don't. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Here's the controversial question that Kathleen was a bit worried about. Given that, and I know you're saying being born without arms has actually done you a lot of good and you are who you are because of that. 
but many people would consider it a misfortune. And, <clears throat> and that arose, we haven't touched on this yet, <clears throat> because your mother took a drug that uh, was dangerous, right? And was on the market for far too long. And being of a similar generation, although 10 years older than you, and having grown up in a British-oriented part of the world in Southern Africa, where we had many more children born with out arms or, or dis disfigured in other ways because COVID ah, thalidomide was uh, used far more frequently there than here. I believe there was a woman in charge of the FDA at the time who, who didn't want it approved in North America and certainly not in the USA. And that's why it was not as well known or well used here. So given, given your background with a drug that wasn't properly approved and that, would you does it raise some questions in your mind as to why so many people flock towards vaccines right now in COVID era that are still experimental? Does that raise questions for you? Yeah. <clears throat> By the way, I'm glad that you were cautious of asking the question because I can understand why. Here's This is going to surprise your audience. I, I should never make assumptions, but I think it will. I actually did more than just become born without arms because of that drug. Okay. I became very involved in the Canadian movement in 1989 to start our first organization, our peer support group called the Thalidomide Victims Association of Canada. But I was also involved in a major research project because we wanted to know as a group, how are the babies doing? Because that's how we thought of them, right? The thalidomide yeah. babies. Mm -hmm. Well, they grew up. And it's almost exactly like the percentages in non-handicapped society. Some did great, some mm -hmm. did poorly, but more than anything, what I believe the effect of thalidomide was, wasn't the being born with disfigurement. It was being born in a society that said disfigurement meant you had no quality of life. I want to add this very quickly because I know it's a short interview. I was also homeless when I was five days old. Right. I was given up by my birth mother and father because this was too much. So my parents that raised me were first my foster family and then my forever family. And my mom was 55 and my dad was 53 when they took me home as a newborn. Wow. Why is that? Wow. wow. They were aged people with some wisdom and they decided in our home, there was no point in blaming the drug company, even though they should have been held accountable. But here's the final and short answer to your question. Thalidomide created or was caused to create the new system that requires years and years of testing before a drug even goes out on the market. I got my shots. I've had three of them now, vaccinations, because I completely trust the science. I may be naive. I'll acknowledge that. But my experience is the opposite of what people think. They think you should be anti-pharmaceutical. No, actually, I'm pro-business. I'm pro-enterprise, but more than anything, I'm pro-follow the rules. I mean, look at some of the biggest government entities don't act like business. It's why they are the way they are. But in business, we must learn to behave differently. So not only do I trust the process, and maybe I'll be wrong, I don't know. All I know is I have complete faith in really, really smart people, and we need to do more of that. Fair, fair comment. I, I would love to have a much longer debate with you on that, but now is not the time and place. Um, sure. Interesting, interesting comment. And I'm really glad that your work and others in the early days did some good. Um, so some good came out of what was, was a tragedy in many, many ways. Excellent. Kathleen, did you have something else? 
Um, I've got I've got yes, a big one for him yes, just now. Go ahead with your big one, Peter, because we're getting uh, short on time. So go ahead with that one. So here's my big one that I ask all successful people, and, and I'd, I'd like you to take as much time as you want on this, even if we go over time. So you've had a lot of experience of life, of hardship, of adversity, of business, international travel. You've been more exposed than most to the realities of life. So based on that experience, you know, Alvin, what would you say is the most important characteristic or mindset or habit, if you like, that differentiates successful, and by successful, I mean well-balanced and contented, not necessarily just wealthy people, which is a small group from all those who are not. Well, you're right. That is a big question. I think, first of all, let's, a, let's be honest here. I believe that we have it wrong when we say everybody has a right to succeed. Not, <laughs> no, we don't. Sorry, wrong answer. We are not entitled to success. We must earn success. And my experience dealing with the crowd that I've been dealing with for some 40 years, but more practically the last 25 years, I've seen a lot. I mean, look, we see, we see an Elon Musk, all right? And we see what he's doing with Tesla. Or we see, you know, Jeff Bezos and his phallic looking spaceship, all right? That's not, that's not a success model. Those are freaks. And I mean that with due respect. They're in that little tiny point, 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 zero, one percent. The rest of the most successful entrepreneurs and corporate individuals I've met would be the last person you'd ever expect to be successful. They're simply hardworking. They're simply nose to the grindstone. And I'm sorry, I'm 61. I'm going to be a bit old school here. And they've earned and worked hard to gain every single element of success. I, I'm going to say something, Peter, and this isn't meant to satisfy you because I kind of get a sense of what you're all about, even though I don't know you. They have every right to be suspicious of the world because they've been burned so many times. My experience with entrepreneurs and successful business people is they probably didn't get it right the first time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You put that into connection with having no arms. And let's not joke about the bathroom for a second. Let's be really candid. Sure. It took me till I was 23 years old to dress myself. Let's let that sink in. But mm -hmm. I never gave up. Why so long? Because clothing didn't exist that I could wear adapted for me. And I didn't know it then. I didn't just didn't figure it out. Now all of my clothes you can't see, but I'm in my little office in my bedroom. And I've got a whole rack of custom made clothes because I've been successful. I can afford to go to a tailor and get my pants made with elastic waistbands and false fronts and expanded pockets and different stuff with my pants that allow me to dress myself almost using like a yoga movement, right? Where I use my legs ah. like this and move the, my point is this, I understood the route to success must be started with several failures. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's what inspired me the most about successful people. And I guess Jeff Bezos qualifies and I suppose Elon Musk qualifies, but I think using them as the model of what we should set our sights on while admirable, why don't you just be successful in your own little small town floral shop or an automotive dealership or a place that makes chocolates? Sure, That's the sure. kind of place I'd like to work at. Yeah. So, so I, thank you for that. Thank you. Um, but getting down to a little bit more basic, uh, hardworking, yes, but there's many hard people who work really hard. And at the end of the day, they're still not contented. They're still not successful by any measure. There's others that perhaps don't work quite as hard, but they work smarter because they get something right. Is, is, is there a key there, do you think? 
Well, first of all, the key is, and I'm not a bad person to ask because I'm a two-person company. But I think what I've learned, again, and I talk about this not to be warm and fuzzy, but we must hire good people. Mm-hmm. And not just the people that have the best qualifications or the best marks. That's why I'm a believer in inclusion and diversity, not because it's politically correct, but because it represents points of view that come from all different mindsets. Yes, disability, sure. Yes, minority, sure. Yes, gender equality, sure. But what about even age? Mm-hmm. You know, I know a lot of people, they hit 60 and they go, well, I'm done. Really? Sorry, this is really honest. My dad used to have an expression, you're not done till you're in the ground. That's right. That is another thing that we need more of in society is a diverse mix of people within enterprise that brings not only the best product to market, but more than anything, reflects our cultural society. You know, Peter, I want to get this in before we're done. One of the things that changed my life was going to Africa, being there, not watching it on TV, not watching Mm -hmm. it in a documentary and seeing exactly what you said, but also understanding Here's an example. One of my heroes is Nelson Mandela. Why? Is that convenient? Was it a good movie? No. He is living proof. Never lose the faith. And that's not a religious statement. That's just an honest thing about how can someone live in prison for so long, come out and then become the prime minister of a nation. It's incredible. There's a lot more to that story. What, what, What hit me hard from Africa uh, I do. I was a public speaker until COVID. Nowhere near on your league, believe me. But um, frequent public speaker, and I did a speech called "The Paradox of Prosperity," about a 20, 30 minute speech. Uh, very briefly, it relates to one of the most contented men of men I've ever met, who was a retired black African policeman in Rhodesia, who had a 400 acre farm that he'd bought, and no electricity, no running water, no pump, no indoor sanitation, collection of huts, and he's sitting drinking his beer as I was in the army coming patrol, and we had chat. And every time I said, why don't you do this to earn more money? His answer was, what for? I have everything I need. I have enough. I have enough. I have enough. He had three wives. Polygamy was alive and well to till the field. He only cultivated 20 acres of that 400. He had 20 cattle. He could have had a lot more. He said, it's enough. You know, whatever you say I should have will bring me more grief and more trouble than I have. I have enough. And that's stuck in my mind now for 50 odd years now that... Uh, so, yeah, that's a great story, you know, and I, I appreciate that, too. And, and if I can add to what you just said. Sure, please that do. That blends right into what I'm talking about here, Kathleen and Peter. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'm not, this film sounds so inspiring, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. But when you grow up without arms, you got enough. That's right. That's right. You got enough. You got enough. You got enough. Yeah. We're, we're getting close to time. Um, Kathleen, you wanted something else to ask? Alvin, how do people contact you? Well, alvinlaw.com, that's the first place to start. And at alvinlaw.com, you'll see in any email you want to use. But, you know, I'm on all the requisite Facebook, Alvin Law, and Twitter. And I think it's Toes Law. I mean, if you go to my website, you can find all of the connections. All on me. Yeah. And by the way, I have to tell you this. I am a sometimes grudgingly unwilling participant in social media. And I say that not because I don't think it's a good thing. But I also think it's a very dangerous place. Because not disinformation so much as just when we're in person with somebody, we have a different set. And I'm going to use this word one more time of manners. Mm -hmm. We want to honor people. At least that's what I think. And to be quite blunt with you, I think that is the problem. Is that sometimes we let the ranting of the people online 
get to us. Yep. Me too. Yep. I have a hard time. And I can say, especially since COVID, and I hear you, you know, is masking working? I don't know. All I know is if my wife and I want to go out for dinner tonight, we have to wear a mask and take our proof of vaccination. Is that right or wrong? I don't know. All I know is if I want to go to dinner, that's what I got to do. Not sure. a free society. But it's also the place right now in the beginning of 2022. I agree with you on social media, and I'm on there for business yeah. purposes and, and a lot more other than I think you made the point in the email. LinkedIn is where the adults go to play sort of thing. I call um, it the LinkedIn so is enjoyed the place that where the adult, it's, it's the adult table at dinner. That's right. That's what you said. I, I've got one more, and I know we're over time, but I've got to sure. ask you this. I, I'm a great admirer of the Stoic philosophers, and I have a book I read every day called The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday. And ah. listen, listening to you, I guess you've written, you've read quite a bit about the of the Stoic philosophers as well, have you, Marcus? No, I haven't. Yes? You haven't. I actually uh, haven't. Ah, I need to apparently. Well, a lot of that 2,000-year-old wisdom and more is very much in line with exactly what you've been talking about. And it tends to keep me balanced, you know, from... Yeah. love that, Peter. That's a great way to end this interview. And I'm actually, I'm not going to reach around and grab it because it's too far and it takes too long. But over my shoulder, you can see a little tiny copy there of my first book, Alvin's Laws of Life. And I wrote it many, many, many years ago. I've been getting hounded by myself more than anybody to write the next one. So I've been working on that over COVID just in the last few months, really gotten down serious. But one of the things I'm intrigued by was this expression that I put into my book, necessity is the mother of invention. Right. Do you know who said that? I don't. Plato said that. Oh. Right. Right. That's going back a ways. Yeah, that's right. But I think it's really important to understand that Tony Robbins didn't invent the motivational phrase. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, that was wonderful. We, we're yes. going to have to stop now. So, Alvin, from me, Kathleen will round it off in a moment. But really, I really appreciate the opportunity of chatting to you and uh, learning more about you. And I'll be spending more time on your website and following you on your brief. Well, it's been a uh, pleasure, especially to be your first guest of 2022. Absolutely. And this is a perfect time to say, look, raise a glass. Look, here's my cup. Raise a glass, a toast to a better new year. Because it That's sure right. could be worse, right? <laughs> I just got water, but the same same sentiment exactly. So thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for having me. And, and Alvin, very quickly, how do people get a hold of that book on your website? It's only available at alvinlaw.com. I know some people have gone to Amazon and found it there, and I don't know how it got there because we never gave them anything. Okay. So somebody must have unloaded a bunch of books for them alvinlaw.com you can order it online from my website only and i'll keep in touch with uh, with all of you about when my next one's going to be out excellent thank you excellent. so much and uh thank you all so very much again for tuning into our show we uh appreciate you so much and until next time take care everyone bye-bye <laughs> <laughs>